0: Hello Ratic fam, welcome to a new episode of On Topic with Tratec. Today I'm with Connor, Connor Ellison, co-founder and CEO of Pogger, a gaming startup. They are building a tool for rating a game, and Connor tell more about what Pogger does. First of all, thanks for being here, Connor.
1: My pleasure. Seriously. Mm -hmm. So happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and what are you building, exactly?
1: Sure. So my past is I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I started my first business at 16 that did pretty well. And I had a series of struggles and failures and learning lessons all the way to this company. I started last year in July, uh, Pogger. Before, well, I would say like in, after college, I went and did music. I was managing artists in college. Then I went to Atlantic Records. Um, it really saw and taught me about how data is used to like search and uh, understand who is best fit for your brand, for your company. This happened to be Atlantic Records. They use this software called Sodatone. And then after that, I saw the real rise in gaming happening. I took a couple step steps back, didn't want to follow my career that was emerging in music. And I wanted to kind of see if I could do what I actually loved and work in gaming. Um, this is around when Fortnite came out. So I played a lot of Fortnite. It was They were doing cash tournaments. I was doing and placing pretty well. All
0: of us did play Fortnite. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, 100%. No, the world, they had the world in their hand. But I was so good and I didn't have a lot of ways to make money right now. So I started doing these wagering and then I understood the possibilities. And that was like... The company I built before, Pogger, and it was a wagering platform based off APIs to validate, which was new and ahead of the curve. But it just wasn't the right time. A lot of companies weren't super convicted in the gaming space. Plus, it was a gambling startup. So I took my losses, which ended up being me getting invited to work at Phase Clan under Yusuf Ali. And then started um, working as his general manager at his influencer marketing agency, specifically targeting towards esports athletes. So I was there and I was really um, immersing myself into kind of the gaming community, meeting players, understanding their wants, their dislikes. And it was through those two years that I really got a comfortable foundation to the point where I was ready. I didn't have a lot of a lot saved up because I didn't make a ton at these other companies. It was more experience based. So I took another a couple like consulting gigs and was able to save up a little like 12k a month for a few months. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was it was I was it was a really tedious and hard job short contract. But at the same time, you know, in more time working less time to spend the money. So I was able Mm -hmm. to uh, to save up and take the chance on Pogger when it arrived because uh, I think the title of this podcast is about me not meeting my co-founders before he raised 2 million. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I'm, and, I'm coming to that. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is a perfect leading. So I, I got introduced to both of my co-founders on discord and they both resonated with my idea, which was like creating this ultimate gamer profile that follows mm-hmm. a gaming journey. And With that, we all could kind of align and find our own North Star. We were all gamers and we were all big fans of this space. So we're like, all right, let's let's try this. And yeah, we officially incorporated the company and did everything on July 6th of 2021.
0: So this is like... This this is really interesting and inspiring story for like future entrepreneurs I believe and with, with this online med co-founders you raised 2.2 million dollars in seed rounds right Yes sir this this is this is something huge I believe so what's your what's the story here and like what was the biggest problems biggest failures in this journey in the fundraising stage and like when when you understand yeah it's it's going to work
1: out so there's a couple things. The first thing and the most important thing for any entrepreneur starting a company is have other founders that do what you can't do. Like you really do need to identify your weaknesses and kind of create this Venn diagram of overlapping skill sets. You all have to meet in the middle on the core vision. We were all gamers. That was our like middle ground. But mm-hmm. my two partners, Randolph, genius, backend engineer, um, he's my CTO and co-founder, and he understands how to build infrastructure, microservices, everything necessary to get a product to a certain point. That's where our other co-founder, Juno Kim, very, very talented in design and front end. Mm-hmm. He takes all of his work, visualizes it, leads the design team, makes sure the branding's good. And yeah, yeah even was, even was after a full, the, full team.
0: Even after the investment, you are like doing it yourself as founders, right? You didn't hire a big team and you still have a small, small size team?
1: Yeah, no, it was, it's a very small size team. Still, we hired a couple people. We haven't hired anyone since we raised this money. Everyone else was um, people we got through our accelerator and kind of our early angel investment. Right now it's just, everyone wasn't really getting paid a lot. We were getting to like, uh, get by. So the first thing we did was like raise everyone to like, normal salaries, make sure everything was good so everyone's not having to be stressed anymore. And then the kind of big tipping point is going to be hiring to be able to take bandwidth off of all of our, our team members. But it, we're, we're in the process of hiring it. We're finishing up a sprint, we're going to these two events on Fest and then GitHub Universe. And then we're planning on hiring our next either backend developer or data engineer um, mm-hmm. towards the end of this year. So we have hiring on our horizon. It's just we, as a team, my other, besides Juno and Randolph, we have Matt, who's the director of marketing. We have Anders, who is our lead designer. We have Geo, who is our content creator, and then we have Robert, who's our project manager. So we have a small growing team and everyone, and all the all the kind of facets that we need to hit to have, a successfully growing company are there. Uh, we don't want to muddy the water. It's too hard to hire and onboard someone right now, but we're really going to take time at the end of this year to make sure that our core members are offloaded on certain tasks going into the new year so that we can we can build faster, less burnout. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's been going really good. I would mm-hmm. say the only kind of failure was kind of not expecting things to be volatile. And I don't mean that from my own company sense. I Mm -hmm. I mean that from the market sense. So when we were raising, it was right after the crypto crash. So everything was looking great. Like everyone was basing their companies off of this strategy. They were, it was quick raises. People were high, high conviction. The market was going up. And as we were in the middle of our raise, actually, after we had gotten our term sheet, like everything crashed, everyone started pulling term sheets. All the terms had changed if they were still yeah. there, et cetera. So I do give my VC firm, uh, Venture Rock, a lot of credit. They didn't pull the VC, I mean, pull the term sheet. They didn't change the deal terms. They kept everything there. There was just a longer due diligence process, which was tough for us because we were had already run out of money. And me and my fellow co-founders were bankrolling everything. We weren't taking salaries. We were making sure everything was staying up. And we had to do that for about two months while we finished up everything. So it, it really cleaned us out, but it still allowed the company to survive. So I think the only thing I would say is a failure is, is make sure that like you have a buffer room for your kind of mm-hmm. your budget. Like make sure that like, when you're like looking at your team, you have like that safety room cause you don't wanna not be able to pay people. It's not a yeah. great feeling.
0: So so I seen something different in your story. And generally I look into startups and I seen that after they yeah, like they clear the investment round, they double their team, uh, they like maybe f- make 5x their burn rate, then they keep growing and growing and growing. But you're chill, like you 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 look like a chill startup. You don't yeah. have, a, yeah, you don't have a big like giant burn rate as I see. And no, yeah, our burn not, rates
1: hovering. Yeah, our burn rates hovering at like 50,000, So it's nothing too crazy for about eight yeah. members. So we're we're all we I I appreciate that. Thank you. It's something that like we want this money to like it grows like as we hire, but we have this allocated for 27 months. Mm -hmm. So we really want to make sure that like we can build and get what we want in there. We aren't hiring people who aren't delivering like everyone's proved themselves on the team right now and we can get to where we want. We're just slowly going to be adding people for specific roles in the company as they become overloaded on our own team. And that's right now is on the back end and kind of data side. So we're looking Mm -hmm. for people for that. But yeah, I feel like a lot of companies do that because they're having to meet these outrageous metrics to like make the VC happy or whatever at the butt end for the startup, you know? Like that's Mm -hmm. why I also like our VC, like they're more about making us have a solid foundation to go and Mm -hmm. grow and become this big conglomerate then going and trying to make us 5x like we've already had conversations about our first clients like they don't want us to, like they want us to give these clients trials for like 6 months so that we are like using our own money to learn for these clients like we have our margin and we're just eating anything that we should be charging them Mm -hmm. so that we can learn and validate it as like a a company that we would say mimics what Google does with infrastructure we're doing for that gaming side. So we need early adopters. We need data. We need the case study. It's not, if we wanted to go and jump right into revenue, it would really tarnish what we're trying to build and make us focus on a path that isn't the best one. It maybe maybe looks the best early, but you know.
0: Maybe, maybe you were like, you're safe about the competition and you're trusting your product. For example, in the web space in, in my space that I'm working on, there is a huge competition. And if you don't build fast, your competitors will eat you. So you need to be fast, you need to hire fast, you need to develop fast. But in your case, as I see from the outside, you're you're, you're chill about building, you're, you're chill about the time. So... Uh, Maybe it it means that you are not in danger about the
1: competition or we're not super concerned about competition because we're in our mind. We've I like we found other potential competitors and maybe they compete in one facet of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. but they've been around for a while and we're trying to do so much more than what's already around there. So our thing is to kind of go and see what other people did in this current phase we're in, where it's working with developers and SDK, but well, the second we take one step past that, and we correlate all of this data in the view of the player profile for brands and these third parties to be able to like, gain insight from, that's just a new kind of flow that hasn't really been done in this space before. Mm -hmm. So we have super high conviction that as we start getting further in our production timeline, the competitors drop like flies to the point where we're the sole person with a moat. And that's why we're not in a huge rush. Like we're Mm -hmm. looking for, quality clients, people who are willing to work with us. They're not having to spend, but we do want feedback, you know, and we have about five people or five companies games, I should say that we're onboarding right now through the next couple months. And they're all on Mm -hmm. the same page, you know? So you'll find people out there. Everyone's trying to build better games. Everyone's trying to provide a better experience for that community Mm -hmm. that they're building. And we offer that. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a hard sell. It's just about us getting, to a place where it's more easy to onboard a general public. Right now Mm -hmm. it's like very specific. We have to go through and like, we have a very efficient onboarding process, but we want to learn. We don't want to just settle for like what we have right now. We want to work with each client, see the little issues that we could be fixing so that when we launch to the general public, which is going to be towards the end of this year, things are smooth. Like we've, we don't have to go and update things. We have thought it out with a different variety of clients. Yeah, so. mm-hmm.
0: I, I understand that. I, and I want to ask you last two questions about the future of gaming industry. Uh, yeah, if it's to. okay. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about Web3 Gaming? Do you believe it's like a scam or this is going to be, um, this is not going to be, exist in the future or do you agree with people who thinks it's going to be future of gaming.
1: Yeah, I think I think Web three, the metaverse, is one undoubtedly the future mm-hmm. of gaming. Um, I just mm-hmm. believe that everyone saw how easy it was to make money in this space that everyone believed in. It's like when you have a lot of people's belief and a lot of greedy people, of uh, you're in trouble. Because here's the thing: everyone, no one cares about the future of gaming, they care about getting you to give them money. So they'll dangle this carrot of a better future and all this stuff so that you bite and then you're stuck with useless things. I see gaming and Web3 almost as like two roads that merge. Um, they're just not ready to merge yet. You know, there's just a lot of technology in the web three space that needs to be validated. It needs to be built upon in games. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like, here's the question I ask when anyone says that web three is, is there right now. How do you take an asset from one game and transfer it to a new game seamlessly? Yeah. Like, are all of your assets that are in your wallet that you can go, are they trapped in this vertical slice of this publisher? They are, like, there isn't a way for you to be like, oh, I earned this game in this FPS game, and now I'm going to this other shooting game and I can upload it in there. They're not using the same foundation and the Mm -hmm. same assets for it, which is one of these issues that I've noticed. And I think that's when Web3 will really show that it's ready to take gaming to the next level is yes. when we have this kind of infrastructure, this foundation yes. where you know, games are built you know. on top of each other.
0: So um, I think it's going to be shocking for you when I tell you what are we are working on. As Rated, we are building a super app for gaming. It's powered by blockchain technology. And I will not dig into our product, but I will just tell you the user story. So a player will play games inside our platform then for example they earn the money for example they earn $1 or they have $10 in the game already they bought some assets in the game and it is it is in the it is in their wallet inside mm-hmm. the platform with thanks to our platform and thanks to our crypto banking solution okay we know that in with web3 they can trans- translate these assets into other formats into cryptocurrencies or nfts thanks to our platform they can spend their assets they can spend their cryptocurrencies seamlessly in a second with nfc payments with virtual or physical debit cards
1: so yeah no that makes sense really
0: like imagine imagine an app you, you are holding your gaming assets gaming currencies then you can buy a coffee seamlessly with an nfc payment how does yeah. this sounds
1: yeah no it sounds great it's just all about like with those and I, I love it. I'd love to dig into the project offline just so I can know how to help. But with anything that's trying to facilitate this crypto with IRL, I love it. I think that's honestly the future. It's like you can earn something online and then you can use it to like make your real life. It is, it is like game banking. So, so like, yeah. it, is,
0: it, is, it is not game. It's not banking, but it's game banking. You have a bank account that you play games inside of it.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, i I'm, I'm telling it. In a short, like that. So, um, since we all agree the Web3 is the future of gaming, what would you suggest to, for example, a 15 year old guy, a 15 year old um, young entrepreneur? He aims to be as like you uh, when he's grown up. So, you founded this company when you were 25, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so imagine there's a 15 year old boy, he wants to be like you. 10 years later, what would you suggest to them?
1: I would say, firstly, like, if you have any sort of interest in, like, actually being in the Web3 gaming, like, app space, like, learn, learn to code a little bit. Like, my biggest regret was not spending, like, I took game building classes, I took coding classes, so I understand it to a small degree. But when you're actually looking at building these, like, multi-million dollar, two billion dollar companies that are built off of technology, a little bit of knowledge isn't going to cut it. Maybe mm-hmm. if you're like able to like get into a product management or CEO role, I'm very, very blessed to have things turned out, but I have a lot of other experiences that allow me to do a good job at this role. But mm-hmm. if I was a product-focused, able-to-build founder, it would make my life a lot easier. So I would say <laughs> yeah. first is spend some time learning how to build, find something that interests you. And this doesn't just have to be like straight coding and development. It can be focused in the realm of like Unreal Engine or Unity and building games because games are no longer just games like games are going to be how they build movies and how they record cinema and kind of how you engage on a multitude of levels so um as you as you if you're interested in this space like some sort of development some sort of kind of game development and then the final and kind of most critical piece is just like do not stop like yeah. that is it. Like, there's so many times I like looked. Do, do, do not stop just... until
0: you find a good CTO, right?
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that you can find a good one. And it could just be not right, not right. Market, not right, anything. Uh just make sure that you do not stop until you you just can't stop until you like succeed in some capacity. That capacity is up for your own discretion, but there has been three or four key moments in my life where I debated not going forward in this kind of entrepreneurial path because of previous things. And every time, some reason, somehow little, it's like a, almost a godsend convinced me otherwise. And I was willing Mm -hmm. to do it. And three times previous to this, it didn't work out, but it was this Mm -hmm. little birdie, this one time convinced me to take the leap of faith and the I'm forever grateful I did. So yeah, don't stop, take chances.
0: I I would also suggest that to young entrepreneurs. So thank you for your answers and thank you for the podcast. I found your story really inspiring and I hope it inspires some young entrepreneurs. And I believe thanks to your story, by looking into your story, they may look their Discord friends differently.
1: (laughs) Honestly, they should. You never know who's there. You really don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, really thank you. All right, cheers, Ali. Cheers, bye bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.